I'm sitting all Yeah. What it is is what it is. Hit tonight. Hit just a few seconds if you can wait because I can't. What it is. What it is. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 178 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? A uh, good night for boxing last night, man. Uh, that was a hell of a performance. Oh, man. It's the best way to cap off a busy day of day drinking to have a nice three-round knockout. Yeah, we didn't didn't go till one o'clock in the morning this time, did it? No, it didn't. I, I'm pretty sure that Teddy did, but that's fine. I changed my channel about five minutes after the fight was over. Um, hey, man, big big historic night in Lincoln, Nebraska, as Terrence Crawford squared off against Julius Ndongo, Alexander Gavozdich versus Craig Baker. Um, we got some fight preview today on episode 178. Then, yes, folks, yes, today will be the day that we speak on. Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. Because here's the truth, Vin. All of our listeners out there try to be like they are, you know, just like us, right? Out here just talking shit about how diehard we are and how we know about all the fucking minutia and the nut butter that has to do with <laughs> professional prize fighting, right? Right. But deep down inside, just like our Flash Knockdown spoof video we did when the fight was announced, they all ordering it, Vin. Oh, yeah. I ain't ordering it, but... Where, where are you going to be? I will be uh, watching one Joe Rogan downtown at the Warner Theater, so I'll be fine. I'll be beyond entertained. It's ironic that uh, the UFC's you know most famous voice um, will actually be doing his uh, you know another job that night. I, I think he's come out and said too that it, if it hadn't been scheduled, you wouldn't be seeing Brendan Schaub. You'd be seeing Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And yeah, I am tied up with my anniversary, so I will not be watching either. But guess what? We're going to give everybody what they really want. Oh, yeah. You know, the proper coverage. Oh, <laughs> the proper coverage <laughs> uh, is correct. Your guilty pleasure will be stroked. Uh, <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, we got Miguel Cotto returning to the ring. Um, Sergey Daryevchenko versus Toriano Johnson and what should be a pretty exciting fight on the PBC on FS1. Um, and a pretty big announcement. At least we think that it will lead to an official announcement coming down the road. But it's a uh, busy, busy episode 178. We appreciate all of you tuning in to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show today on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. And check out Vin and I as we will be recording a new episode of the Flash Knockdown video series on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Um, on Tuesday, should be out by... Wednesday. In the meantime, then, mm -hmm. last night from Lincoln, Nebraska, Terrence Crawford versus Julius Ndongo for all the belts. Hashtag all the belts. And guess what? Hashtag belts matter. Yeah, they Hashtag. did. They do. They do. And I mean, it, you saw it in the atmosphere in the crowd, and we talked about that in the preview. I mean, that place was electric. Mm -hmm. uh, when he lands that knockout, the, the way that place exploded. Oh, awesome. When Ndongo went down. I mean, th that's that's the type of atmospheres that boxing fucking needs right there. And we got a performance from Terrence Crawford in what is, you know, it wasn't a showcase fight per se because he was fighting an established fighter. But uh, he put on a showcase performance, my friend. And I think there was some people watching that fight that uh, realized that there is a guy that exists in this country, an American, American fighter, mm -hmm. that is that damn good. Yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest. I, I think what has really kind of hurt the perception of American boxers over the last 10 years is that if you're an American boxer, 
it means that you roughhouse tactic, that you clutch, that you skate the outside of the ring, and that you pretty much bore everybody to death. So it's really, really hard to get up for a fight um, that it you know involves two other great American fighters like Floyd Mayweather and Andre Ward. That's the Mayweather effect, baby. It is. And Terrence Crawford is the antithesis of the Mayweather era. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that when he gets... He gets agitated in the least bit inside the ring. The dog comes out and he attacks. And we saw a guy that was there to do what, if you are considered at the elite level of this sport, and, you know, when it involves pound-for-pound conversations, whatever, you better be able to go in the ring and not only dominate, but you better be able to to deliver. And I'm tired of hearing from American boxing fans, oh, that, uh, you know, you guys just sweat all the Ukrainian fighters and all the Mexican fighters. What about American fighters? What about American fighters? I hate to break it to you. It's been a long time since we have had an American fighter at this high of a level that delivers supreme excitement to the fans. Yeah. uh, Look, you know, all all the conversations after this fight, you you hear all the pound for pound talk and all this crap and I'm, I'm serious. It's one. Of, it's one of the things that since we've done the show, I've 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 grown to hate it. I I can't stand it. People in their pound for pound list. It drives me insane. I don't care. Stop, stop spitting out your whatever your rhetoric is to say that this guy is number one. It's all subjective, and really, nobody cares what your number one pound for pound fighter is. So just get over it. Let it go. But I, I'm going to tell you what right now. When you get a performance like Terrence Crawford put on last night, and and, and Obviously, there's also going to be the detracting group after the fact, and, and, and we spoke about it coming into the fight, saying Ndongo, he's a bum. He, he was what he was. Look, I said it in the preview. Yes, he's not that good. I, I never once for a second did I think Ndongo had a chance in hell in winning this fight, and the odds, the odds said that as well, basically, coming into this fight. Absolutely. But you cannot take away from how good Terrence Crawford is just because he is that much better than everybody. And he keeps proving, proving it time and time again. That is, that is greatness. This guy is on a different fucking level. And now that he is dumping all the belts, and it sounds like he's moving to 147, there are some big fights on the horizon for this guy, and he is on the precipice of being a superstar. Yeah. And, and, and more performances and bigger fights after this are going to get him there quickly. It was a great moment um, when he leaped up in the air and the crowd was going wild, um, becoming the first fighter since Jermaine Taylor to have all the belts. First time ever happened in the 140-pound division. And um, Terrence Crawford is the undisputed champion at 140 pounds. And, look, you can look at his resume all you want to. I, you know, Look, I, I personally apologize that you don't understand what Terrence Crawford has done on the rise, right? Like I, I can't help you with that. If you listen to this show, this is the 178th fucking episode. So if it hasn't sunk into your brain yet how good this guy is, then there's nothing I can do for you. Right. But considering that he is the first 140-pounder in the history of the sport to unify all four belts, I know it's only modern era, but let's be honest. Let's talk about some 140-pounders in the modern era. Don't you have to put Terrence Crawford now in the conversation with the likes of Costa Zoo, with the likes of Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. and Aaron Pryor? Yeah, other great 140 pounders throughout history. I mean, I think his accomplishment is historic. 
accomplishment. I know everybody wants to tear down fucking history nowadays, but, <laughs> you know, let's be honest. What happened last night was important to the sport of boxing. Yes. That catapults Terrence Crawford right into that conversation, doesn't it? Yeah. Look, look, he's he's establishing himself, and he's and he's beginning to establish a legacy now. So we've gone beyond where this kid, you know, he's he's proven what he is as a fighter. Now it's just a matter of building fight by fight, building a legacy. And this is the type of guy and the type of fighter with the type of talent that he has. I, it, he's got all-time great written all over him. Am I jumping the gun by saying that? Absolutely not. Pro, uh, you know, people are going to say, yes, you are. I don't give a shit what you say. I know <laughs> what I see. That's all I need. Terrence Crawford is great, period. I, I don't care what you say about his resume or where you put him on your pound-for-pound pound list or what he hasn't proven in your eyes. You're, you're being naive. Just let your eyes tell you. It's plain to see when this guy gets in a ring and starts trading fire with other top-notch fighters, he is a just a, a, a step faster and a step above talent-wise than anyone he's been in the ring with yet. We have not seen an equal, period. No, 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 no. He, he, is, he is certainly unique. He's a combination of everything you want to see um, in the sport. I agree with you, man. Look, you're really splitting hairs when you talk about the best fighters in the world, but what we do know is with the appearance of Andre Ward on the telecast last night, something that you and I had speculated episodes ago, pretty much right around the rematch against Sergey Kovalev, that top rank was next. Shakur Stevenson, his little protege that he has signed, right? Mm -hmm. He sends him off to top rank. Now he's on the top rank uh, broadcast. So you're talking about Andre Ward, Vasily Lomachenko, Terrence Crawford, and Manny Pacquiao all being under the same banner. Now, I know Pacquiao's best days are behind him, but when you talk about, and I kind of leave Andre Ward out of the conversation too, because one, I don't know how active he's going to be. I don't think he ever gets in the ring with some of these young, hungry killers at 175 pounds. Maybe he does move up to 200 and pick off some chumps um, at cruiserweight, some has-beens and some never-will-bees. We're going we're gonna to get a rematch from Creed, Ken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the pretty boy, Ricky, pretty boy Ricky Conlon, and I can't remember what Ward's name in was in the, <laughs> was in the movie. But. Oh man! But you know, when it comes to the likes of uh, of Terrence Crawford and Vasily Lomachenko, um, top rank has really planted its flag. I mean, look, you're splitting hairs between Crawford and, and Lomachenko. It, at that point, at that level of greatness, that level of once in a lifetime talent. I mean you're splitting hairs. Yeah, that's why, to me, uh, the, the conversation, the pound-for-pound pound conversation is a fucking exercise in futility. I mean, wh what, are the, what are the equalizers that bring the, you know, like, the, uh, what, what equalizes a heavyweight and a 140-pound fighter? Can, how, do we, how do we gauge that? What, what are we doing here? It's, can we just say that this Fro guy is Fro one Floyd would whip, okay? <laughs> look, if, if, look, Floyd wouldn't even have to fight Mike Tyson. Brana? Brana. Now, you put Brana against Mike Tyson in his prime? Oh, man, I don't know. Brana might take it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The conversation is ridiculous. Yeah, Can it, we just say that these two guys are a class above everybody else we see fight? Yes. I mean, I, I, I get it. Resume comes into play for all these fucking retards that make these lists out here. But they're not in the same weight classes, so their, their resumes are completely different. <laughs> Their backgrounds are completely different. You know what I mean? I'm, uh, I'm telling you, man. Pound for pound, let's need to go away. Just Can we just say they're good? They're the best in the world? Yeah, but, you know, Lomachenko, he need to fight Crawford next. <laughs> he need to come up and prove himself to see who the best American fighter is. Is it Lomachenko or Crawford? What you think? <laughs>
I personally, I think it's Crawford since he's actually American. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good, dude. It's so uh, the tweets this week have truly have truly been epic. I mean, dude, there was a guy yesterday. He says it's taken Crawford two years to unify all four belts in a division. Little G, it's taken him eleven, and he still hasn't done it yet. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you fucking moron, you complete idiot. So. The same argument you're making against Triple G must be made for every champion in every weight division since Jermaine Taylor. The last time... Because nobody's done it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, that happened... The year after that happened, Golovkin turned pro. (laughs) Yes. You know what I'm saying? That's how long it's been. And Crawford's been a pro for quite some time. Uh, I think he's been a pro for, like, two years less than Golovkin. So, what are you talking about? You just... You fucking sound stupid. And how does Golovkin continually get dragged? The, the, the debate has now gone to, for me, rabble-rousing with the statement on Twitter this morning and, and a bunch of people jumping in, and now the argument's going, and I'm tagged in all this dumb shit. <laughs> it's, it, it's now it's gone to Triple G and Ward. That's where this argument has. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with how you? How do you circle back there? I don't know. It is a fucking disease, man. Like, it, I get it. I get it that people hate Triple G and they hate his fanboys and all that. But don't be an idiot. Don't deny what he's done in boxing. Don't deny how fucking good he is. You're, you're, it's just pure fucking hate. Vince, you know Lil G ducking Brana. You know it. <laughs> oh, I know he ducking Ward. <laughs> oh, man. You got to love how Teddy just like says. Andre, sorry. Sorry, Andre. You're my number two. You're number two behind Lomachenko. <laughs> Lomachenko. Boom, bam. Bugs on the windshield. What <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> oh, Teddy, baby. Oh, man. I, honestly, I think they store Teddy and Stephen A. Smith in the same charging closet at ESPN. <laughs> they plug them in at night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, like Stephen A. and Teddy Atlas. Put them in an embalming fluid uh, capsule. And- <laughs> Dude, you, you remember going to Chuck E. Cheese when you were a little kid? Yeah. And you'd be sitting there, like, eating pizza, and then all of a sudden, like, lights would shine on the stage, and all these f- <laughs> fucking weird-ass things would come to life and start singing and dancing. Yeah. That's what happens every morning at 8 a.m. at the ESPN headquarters. Shit was creepy <laughs> when you were a kid when that shit happened. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm still trying to figure out what that big purple monster was with his big teeth. <laughs> Must be Max still Kellerman. Still thinking about it, huh, Max Kellerman? <laughs> you think they plug Kellerman in there, too? I don't know. It's like the, it's like the Matrix for Muppets. <laughs> then we need to take it upon ourselves to save them. We need to unplug them from the Matrix. Please. I go to Teddy, Stephen A., and Kellerman and be like, the blue pill or the red pill? <laughs> Choose wisely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, We'll take it easy on Max this week, Ken. Come on. I know. It's all right. It's all right. Sorry, Max. I got triggered last week. You didn't think that somebody from the right could get triggered, but it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it did. Uh, It just so happens we have a troll for a friend that hit, hit us up right in the middle of the show. Perfect timing. That's why you don't check your phone during the show. You certainly got fired up. I know that. <laughs> hey, man. You know, that's what we do here. It's a boxing rant. We go on epic rants, and people love them. 
All right. Um, the co-feature, Alexander Gavozdik, the nail, squaring off against Craig Baker in a light heavyweight contest. Ben, what did you think about uh, the nail's performance in this one? Um, it wasn't the typical nail performance that we've come to come to expect in the last few fights. Um, he kind of sh- looked like he was playing with his food, like you like to say, Ken. Yeah. It was like, would you finish this guy, man? There's, yeah. This guy has no business being in the ring with you. No. Craig Baker is a bum. Yeah, I mean, look, think about some of the opponents that that uh, that the nails squared off against um, two big recent wins. I mean, you know, let's just take Panthro, for example. You know what I mean? You got Yuneski Gonzalez, a.k.a. Panthro, who, <laughs> dude, let's be honest, the nail um, absolutely destroyed him. I'm sorry, man. You put Yuneski Gonzalez in the ring against the Craig Baker that showed up last night. Yaneski Gonzalez blows Baker out in two rounds. Absolutely. And that was the thing. It was like, what are you doing, man? I mean, this guy is, what has he done so far in this fight that is confusing you to the point where you cannot just unleash what we know you can do? Look, the nail's got great footwork, okay? He's a very straight puncher. He, he's very athletic. He, I mean, his ability to move laterally, um, there's not very many guys at 175 pounds that can move. He moves, uh, he's far superior to Sergey Kovalev when it comes to moving side to side in the oh, ring. Yeah, yeah. And it serves him well. He, he's, he's a better boxer than most people at 175 pounds. But Craig Baker, we're, you know, when we talk about the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor undercard, Gervonta Davis is, is fighting against a guy, Francisco Fonseca. That is the same level as Craig Baker. Yep. Craig Baker was bagging groceries two years ago. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, he hasn't been. I, I don't know, man. I just think. There was something to be said. Look, I don't buy into, especially coming from the mouth of Andre Ward, because he is the kind of guy that would just belittle somebody to avoid ever having to, be, like, you know, get in the ring with him or right. whatever. But when Andre Ward said, you know what, Gavosnitz needs to make a statement here. You know, if he doesn't make a statement, then maybe he's not ready for the big time. You know, maybe he's not ready for that title shot yet. And when watching this fight, I hated to admit it. Andre Ward was exactly correct. You have to come out and do exactly what Terrence Crawford did and make the damn statement. Now, was the knockout fucking awesome? Yeah. Epic, hard, thunderous one punch. Right. I mean, game over. Come on, man. Seriously? Yeah. I, Nobody wants to see you box or spar Craig Baker. Yeah, there's no you – didn't, you didn't need rounds. You've been active. Do your job. Get that guy the hell out of there. Uh, uh, I don't know what it is. Sometimes, and I think I've noticed it with Usyk some too. It's like they the they, school of Papachenko. They fall into a trap of like looking for the perfect shot and timing the perfect shot. And I guess they maybe they see an opening in the fight and they're just they're dead set on that opening will be there again. And I know when it's going to be there, and I'll wait for it until it happens. Yeah, and that that's not a that's not a style that sells. I know that it, it just doesn't. No, I knockout mean- sell, but if it's going to be monotonous until you land one punch that's that's, eh, doesn't do it for me i mean look he was active he was throwing punches Mm -hmm. but geez man yeah yeah it was almost like he was shying away like huh i better not get too liberal here because if i do man he might catch me on my way in yeah give me a break (laughs) all right um here is you know look we don't know what's going to happen with andre ward and these belts at 175 pounds we know what's going to happen with adonis stevenson um, he's going to hold on to that thing, uh, you know, until um, somehow, some way, uh, old Suleiman is able to get rid of the evidence that some somehow Aductness Chickenson is holding over his head to allow him the blackmail, um, you know, to keep that belt. I, I don't see a clear path for this kid. Okay, now maybe now with 
Andre Ward coming over to top rank. Maybe there is a path. Maybe there will be a fight. Maybe he'll be ready for it. Maybe he won't. One of our listeners at CFC Linda, um, she asked this question, Vin, on Twitter. Who wins right now, Gavozdic or Anthony Yard? Wow. Uh, Gavozdic uh, would win now. But Anthony Yard's an up-and-comer, man. I, and I know he's pulled a, a stunt recently where he's kind of getting a little big for his britches a little early and thinking he's he doesn't have to fight a certain level of fighter and he can jump past uh, the, the journeyman-type fighter up into the, you know, a, a European title shot or whatever it is. It's with Buglioni and and, and uh, Hosea Burton. It's just it's it's too early to really really say with both of them. But I, I'd pick Gavozdich right now because I've seen more. He looks more polished. Anthony Yard still needs a little seasoning in my eyes. But I, two years from now, two three years from now, yeah. If if Gavozdich is still around, he'll be thirty three. Yeah, Anthony Yard will be ready for him then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think right now that there is kind of a big gap. I mean, Yard is doing substantial things against some really piss-poor uh, UK competition right now. Gavozic just polished over 250 amateur fights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he comes from a, a school of, of boxing and repetition. He's tighter. Um, he's, he's way quicker to the target. He is, you know, Yard looks the part. Like, physically, oh, yeah. yeah. He looks like an absolute monster. Yes. But the truth is, is that Gavozic is, is the superior athlete. Yes. Way quicker, way faster hands. Yeah, um, Yards will walk you down, beat, yeah. you, beat you up, big guy, just kind of wear you down and, and pound on you. He's not really a, 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 you know, a polished boxer. No, no. But, hey, maybe one day Gavozic will have a belt around his waist and Yard will have his mandatory shot. Yep, yep. Um, all right, so that does it for the post fight from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, Terrence Crawford versus Julius Ndongo. Uh, Bud Crawford lifts all the belts. All right, Ben, let's get into a little bit of fight preview. We put out a little spoof video on the Flash Knockdown when the fight was announced. Um, all of our, you know, um, <laughs> our diehard uh, boxing listeners that would hope we would not give this any credit. Listen, you've already decided whether you're going to buy the fight or not. Right. And if you're not, you're going to your friend's house to watch it because you just want to see the shit show. The the circus is in town, um, and most of you listening to this show will be watching it. So we'll go ahead and give, you know, our our two cents on the Showtime pay-per-view event from Las Vegas this upcoming weekend. Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, a junior middleweight contest. Um, Mayweather versus McGregor, Vin, have you... uh, have you been buying into the hype that you know? Like on the, I know you you're a big listener to the Joe Rogan podcast, yeah. And he will not shut up about oh, you know, McGregor's got that chance to to, to land that big punch. I, I'll tell you what's what what's become just annoying to me about more than anything about the fight is the fact that and I'm, this isn't a personal attack to MMA fans. I don't have a problem with MMA fans. You order a bunch of UFCs, I, I, dude. Conor McGregor as a UFC fighter, I'm a huge fan. I'm a I'm a Conor McGregor guy. I just fucking I love the way he's a fucking cock of a walk. He walks around like he's a shit. He, he's great on the mic. He's just entertaining across the board. But I, I'm sorry, MMA fans, you you can't like I I don't understand why this doesn't compute. He's not boxing. He hasn't been boxing. He's been training as a boxer purely for however long this fight has been. Uh, uh, there's been a chance of this fight happening. It is literally. Fucking impossible. Watch the guy hit the bag. Watch his training videos. Don't fucking tell me 
knocking down an off-balance Paulie Malignaggi that was 30 pounds overweight and completely out of shape and sucking wind, don't tell me that means anything. I'm sorry. Paulie Malignaggi has stunk for 10 years. Uh, sorry. That, that, that does nothing for me in making this fight interesting and shouldn't for anybody. He does not stand a fucking chance. I, I, Floyd Mayweather is going to come out of this with people that haven't been paying attention, and he's going to put on a performance in this fight and probably look really good because McGregor is not going to stand a fucking chance. And Floyd is going to get these just praise heaped upon him for beating a fucking guy that is in his first professional fight. What? What? doesn't mean anything to anybody. Though. No. It's so it, funny. It doesn't. And this isn't. It's almost like it's not boxing. Like, I, I, I put this in a category of this is a, a, an entertainment spectacle. It, this, this shouldn't fall under the boxing umbrella. And, and literally, I don't fucking want it to because, it, to me, after it's said and done, the people that paid are going to be pissed off, and it's going to make boxing look bad. Every, it'll, it'll turn to fucking boxing, man. Here it goes <laughs> again. I can't believe I fell for it. Boxing always gets me, Ken. <laughs> You're a fucking moron if you pay $100 for this. Oh, man. Yeah. You know what? Look, I don't mind so much that this fight's taking place. Whatever. You know what I mean? Le you know, like I said, I'm going to be out with my wife on our anniversary. And when I get home, I'm going to be watching uh, the Kodo fight on uh, on DVR. I mean, that's my plans for the 26th, right? right? Um, <laughs> I think the thing that, that, that irritates me the most about this fight is that, like, you know, I, I do a really good job of controlling my intake of ESPN's fucking nonsense, right? right? So I really haven't been paying attention to it. I do not go to ESPN's boxing page anymore because you have to scroll down through 30 fucking articles about Connor and Floyd to get to anything that you actually want to read, mm -hmm. right? But what has really, really agitated me is on my local radio here, ESPN 980, Redskins Radio, owned by the owner of the Washington Redskins, Daniel Snyder, right? That is my go-to. We are a few weeks from the open of the NFL season, and all I want to hear right now is football talk. That's all I want to hear on my local radio. And let's be honest, the guys that are on local radio here do not need to be talking about anything else except for football. Dude, oh. you will not believe oh. this. You will not believe this. So so on, on one of my favorite shows, right, the Steve Zabin Show, mm -hmm. right, the afternoon drive, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., ESPN 980. Love that show. My favorite show. So they're ending a segment, you know, talking about whatever, baseball, football, I, I, I don't even remember. And Zabe goes, yeah, and when we come back, some new, interesting, and absolutely embarrassing news coming out of the Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor fight. And I was like, fuck. So I changed the station, and then, like, you know, just out of habit, I changed back. And he is, is Zabe and the two guys that are in the studio with him are literally having a conversation about the, the sparring video with Paulie Malignaggi and Conor McGregor. But here's the kicker. That's fine. Okay? Right. He starts off, and he goes, hey, did you hear about this? Did you hear about what happened in uh, the lead-up uh, to Mayweather McGregor? Yeah, Conor McGregor got this sparring partner, okay? You know, this, this ex-world champion, Pauli Malignaggi. And Malignaggi looks so... And, I mean, you should just say him. He gets embarrassed, and then the other guy chimes in. Yeah, Malignaggi, and they keep going God. for, like, five minutes the entire time seemingly having, and probably the 99% people listening to this oh, show, yeah. they're like Malignaggi. So now there's a 1,000 more people in the D.C. area that are going around. Not, not that I mind that they're calling Pauli Malignaggi. Pauli Malignaggi. 
But they went on for the whole bit. <laughs> All three of them mispronouncing his name. There wasn't anybody in the studio yeah. that knew to get into their ear set and say, guys, guys, stop. Seriously, just stop. That's what drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. the casual storm is upon us. I mean, you get the, 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 this conversation, of, oh, they're, they're going to go with eight-ounce eight gloves, Ken. Um, that's advantage McGregor, isn't it? <laughs> right, because why? I mean, it, this you hear people side conversations when you're going about your everyday yeah. shit, and you'll, hear, you'll walk by or you'll be sitting somewhere, and you'll hear two guys talking about this fight that clearly know, I mean, dick about anything, combat sports, boxing, or MMA. Yeah. They, you just sound like a moron. Try, it's like. And if you sit down in between. This is who this sells to. Yeah. It sells to people who have no clue what they're watching. Yeah. Literally zero. Yeah. I mean, dude, if you were to walk up to two people having that conversation and you like sat down on a bench in between the two of them while they're having this conversation, you could be like, um, you heard about what Bob Bennett did. And they'd be like, who? who? Who's Bob Bennett? Who's Bob Bennett? And and if you try to explain to those two guys having that conversation that the only way anything, any rule would be superseded, any rule would be overlooked, any rule would be changed, like 10-ounce gloves to 8-ounce gloves, right? Mm-hmm. If Bob Bennett, right, the commissioner of the, of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, if Bob Bennett is going to change the, the glove size from 10-ounce to 8-ounce, he only does it for one reason, because Floyd wants him to. Yep. Because, yeah, Connor's famous, right? Connor's made a little bit of money, but he ain't made shit in the UFC. Floyd has made more money for the Andre Berto fight than Connor McGregor has made his entire career in the ring. And Bob Bennett would be like Floyd. <laughs> Floyd, anything you want, Floyd. Just don't mollywomp me with your Pekka again, Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> Leave your D out of my face, Floyd. Just fill my pockets with cash. I mean, you're talking about a guy in Mayweather who not only is is he he is the city of Las Vegas's cash cow and has been for eight years. He's as important as a casino. Yes, he brings in a ton of money. Not just the money at the fight. You're talking about a ton of people into town with money, gambling, spending money all over the entire fucking city. And he bets millions himself. Yes, he is the 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 son of Las Vegas, and he gets whatever he wants. That's why every fight that he's had there is under his control. He controls every little aspect about the fight. I think Jim Lampley said it great leading into the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight. Some guy caught him in a, in a lobby in the casino and asked him, who do you think is going to win this fight, Jim? Is, it, is Manny going to get Floyd? And he said, let me see. Where are we? The guy said, Las Vegas. What arena? The MGM Grand. Who's the referee? Yeah, Floyd's going to win, guys. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's like it's already set. I, this, to me, I'm sorry, Ken. The, it, it, it boils down to this is MMA fans are, are treating this like it's their fucking Super Bowl for their sport to, like, to establish some, themselves as the pre, preeminent combat sport in this country. It will never be. Boxing has been around way too long. It's global, way more global than the sport of MMA is. And yes, maybe in this country you might have, you might have the combat sport niche above boxing. I'll, I'll give you that. But why is this? Why why are they taking this so seriously? <laughs> I don't view this as that. As a matter of fact, I don't view it as boxing. Like I said, I view it as a spectacle. 
period. Nothing else. But you have guys like this guy, Robin Black, who covers the UFC and is an MMA journalist. He comes on the radio in the D.C. area and on a morning show and starts making these ridiculous analogies of comparing, uh, saying the sport of boxing has been stuck in the mud and, and, and hasn't, invo- hasn't evolved, talking about in-ring fighting and the style of fighting. This fucking moron is, is arrogant enough to think that somehow Conor McGregor is going to step in the ring next Saturday and rewrite boxing. He is going to change the game. This guy literally has made himself believe that, or he's shilling for the UFC so fucking hard, one or the other. But it's like, dude, you cannot believe what you're saying right now. That's Coppinger-level dumb. I mean, this fucking guy who has had zero professional fights, who's lost three times in his profession, (laughs) is going to step into one of the niches that he kind of trains with a little bit when he's he's in the MMA. He's going to go full-time into that. And rewrite the sport, Ken. Oh. He's going to create a style that no one's ever seen. Floyd Mayweather is not going to know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what. Go ahead, Connor. Jump around with your Capoeira fucking movements and your your weird movement styles. You'll be tired in two rounds, and you'll get fucking pieced. Hey, but you know, on the way to taking over and rewriting boxing, at least the good thing is after he fucking sparks Floyd, is we'll get that much-anticipated grudge match. <laughs> McGregor versus Malanyagi. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it now. Oh, God, man. And Paulie will fucking do it because once you've bent over and taken the massive D, you are gaped. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've been Lomas Brown gaped. <laughs> it's much easier the second and third time. <laughs> Lomas Brown... <laughs> I haven't heard that name. <laughs> Remember, that's what we used to say, though. You got gaped by Lomas Brown, son. Ho, ho, ho. Lomas Brown. <laughs> oh, man. That is a painful, painful picture. Oh, man. So, hey, get your popcorn ready, man. Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, and then after Conor does the deal, McGregor, Malaniagi. <laughs> Um, you know what, man? Look, I'm ready for the takeover. You know, it has been a long time yeah. since we have had somebody as dominant in boxing as a guy who has never boxed before. <laughs> What's funny to me is, is, is you talk about the about stumbling into these, you know, these casual conversations. So, as soon as somebody finds out that you talk about boxing, they want to ask you oh. all, these, all these questions. No, right. And what's funny to me is, is they're like, yeah, but you know what? The best part, you know, if Floyd wins this fight, man, Floyd's gonna go fifty. And oh, 50 and oh, that's the all time record. That breaks the record. And then as soon as you look at them and say, yeah, Chavez, you know, was like 80, 80 something and oh, 89, I believe. Yeah, before he lost his first fight. Um, you have guys, you know, uh, what, Harry Greb had, had 275 wins. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, 170 some odd wins. Right. I, I mean, come on, man. This 50 and oh record, these are the same people that ask you, who do you think would win in a fight? Floyd? Or Mike Tyson, right? Yeah. Is comparing the careers of Rocky Marciano <laughs> and Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. It's just they're not they're not on the same playing field at all. It's retarded. Oh, man. And you sit there and you try to spit knowledge, man. But when people don't understand what's coming out of your mouth, they just they will just move right along with what they're saying. This this kid that works with me um, at my job, I mean, he's like, yeah, he's so excited that he put money on McGregor. Like, he's like, I put 100 on McGregor. Dude, my dad doesn't bet. He wants to put $100 on McGregor. This, <laughs> this is a guy that... that I'm going to have to talk to Rod. He, 
I can't talk him out of it. I cannot fucking talk him out of it. I've been trying to get him to gamble on college football forever because we have a college football pool. He's in it. He fucking loves it. He won't put $100 on a college football game that he knows. This motherfucker knows more about the Mac fucking division <laughs> in college football than you could possibly imagine. It, it's monotonous amount of information this guy has. He will not bet on that, what he has knowledge of. But he likes Conor McGregor so much. <laughs> he thinks he's so fucking cool that he's willing to put $100 on Conor McGregor. It is ridiculous, man. Oh, I'm like, it fucking drives me nuts. It's almost over, Ben. God. <laughs> All right, so one of the sideshow attractions um, for Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, the circus, um, Gervonta Davis, Tank Davis, the IBF junior lightweight champion, squares off against Francisco Fonseca. They tried to get Orlando Salido, and they tried to get Rocky Martinez. And instead, they settled for a guy and Francisco Fonseca, who could not be. Look, this is the kind of opponent. Let me backtrack. Gervonta Davis fought better opponents than Francisco Fonseca um, on his come up. Yeah. Um, this is a fight that you fight and fight two or three not as the co-feature to Mayweather versus McGregor. So they're going to put him in with a complete and absolute bum. Gervonta Davis is going to knock this guy out in spectacular fashion, and the dummy graphic will not be able to delineate between a really great, talented, explosive, exciting fighter in Gervonta Davis and the level of opponent that he displays that excitement against. They will see... Uh, a devastating performance, and the dummy graphic will say Gervonta Davis is the next Floyd Mayweather. That's exactly why he is penciled in for this slot. Yeah, I mean, that's what it would seem like to me. I mean, the, you'll look at Fonseca, and I think you'll see a undefeated record, but uh, he hasn't been anywhere near a legitimate fight in his entire career. No. And he is completely outmatched. And, and fine, look, showcase the kid. I don't give a shit. Whatever. This whole fucking card to me is a joke. I, I really don't care. You, you can't have it's it, what makes it annoying is the fan base of, of Gravante Davis. They, they'll they'll come at the the Lomachenko fan base and, and all these other fan bases with ah eh, we you know we don't want to fight Loma Ken. He doesn't draw. He's not a draw. <laughs> he draws more in Gravante Davis's home fucking town. Yeah, he sold more tickets. So I don't want to hear that. It's just a ridiculous. How do you, why, why are you able to justify with that retarded statement, him not fighting Lomachenko or the likes of guys like Lomachenko? This is, I'm tired of this getting belts and, and, and still being a developmental champion. It's the <laughs> biggest joke in the history of boxing. Yeah. Well, I mean, look where Davis is. If you're big enough to get a belt, Ken, you're a big enough boy to felt the, fight the other guys that have belts. No, no, because they got a hold of Javonta Davis and put him on. Um, the transitional plan between Money Mayweather and Pretty Boy Floyd. Um, they have bypassed the Pretty Boy Floyd thing altogether and put Davis in the Money Mayweather Protection Program, mm -hmm. um, which is no insult to Tank Davis's skill and what he can be in this sport. But the insult to it really is, is that we will really never truly, as long as Davis is with Floyd Mayweather and the money team, we will never be able to see how good this kid really is because now they've already started with those, you know, those Lomachenko comments that you just said. It's the kind of groundwork that has been laid in the promotions leading up to every Floyd Mayweather fight since his beatdown that he got 
against Jose Luis Castillo. Everything changed. So why ever expose Gervonta Davis to that kind of, of challenge? When you can take him this other route, drop these blanket, one-line, ignorant statements that resonate with the dummy graphic, mm-hmm. and they won't know any difference anyways. And that'll be the thing that is frustrating because people that follow the sport, that talk about the sport, the pundits and the critics of this sport, the ones that follow it the most closely – will criticize Gervonta Davis when his talent does not deserve such levels of criticism because he's going to be hiding his true talents under the shield of TNT. That's the reality. Yeah, it's it's so disappointing and frustrating because the, the kid has, shows so much talent and is such an exciting fighter in the ring. I hate to – you don't want to have this cloud what this kid could possibly be as a fighter. He's one of the – best young fighters that we have right now. Absolutely. If not the best as far as an exciting fighter when he gets in the ring. So don't fucking, don't ruin this kid's career with this bullshit, man, because you're just going to give people the same vitriol that they have towards Floyd and the way his his career was managed at the end. It's, it's just not good, man. It's not going to be good for this kid long term. As long as Davis stays undefeated and as long as, sta- as, as Davis becomes rich in the process, that's all the dummy graphic needs. Yeah, but how much can you pay Gravanta Davis? Can he even really headline a card? No. No. So what I I don't understand. I mean, this is how this is not helping him to get past that and to make it to a headlining fighter that makes over a million dollars when he fights? No. This does nothing for him. This is a step in the wrong direction. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right. So there is one, I guess, decent matchup. On the card, yeah. Uh, Nathan Cleverly versus Badu Jack as Badu Jack makes his um, debut in the light heavyweight division. I think Cleverly's days are way past him. Um, I think he's become as his legs have gone along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the lack of legs has caused him to become a pretty stationary opponent. We saw it in that ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous, albeit extremely entertaining phone booth fight yeah. against Andrew Fonfara where these two light heavyweights threw like 2,000 punches. Mm-hmm. Remember that fight? Yes, yes. But that won't work against Jack because Jack's not there to get into a phone booth brawl. What Jack will do is he'll allow you to come in that close to him, but that's where Jack operates mm-hmm. at his best. Cleverly doesn't have the power to you know, exploit the chin of, of, of Badoo Jack. You know, uh, his perceived... You know, what happened was it the Derek Edwards fight? Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that, that first round knockdown, Jack has really, uh, you know, kind of crafted, uh, you know, a nice career for himself. And he's done it by working hard. He's done it by facing quality opponents. Mm -hmm. And he's done it just by being the constant professional in the ring. He doesn't change things up much. I just think Nathan Cleverly, albeit he he is the bell holder in this fight. It's for the Junior Varsity WBA Championship. Right. But you know TMT will have no problem trying to, 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 to say after Jack wins this that he's the light heavyweight champion of the world. Oh, absolutely. You know- uh, Mala Niagi will definitely <laughs> say that during the fight. Yes, you, you will hear that spewed. They will act like it is a true champion championship fight when it's not. No disrespect to Jack, though. He, he, absolutely he, He's not. a solid dude, man. No, no. I, I think Jack is going to be, you know, he's gonna, he could have a successful run at 175 pounds. He's a very fucking good fighter. And the way he fights is, like you said, it's, it's a constant just work rate and, and solid, just textbook, textbook punching, textbook boxing. He just does it. He's fucking really good at it, man. But I'm sorry. He's, again, Nathan Cleverly, like you said, he's, just, he's a washed-up fighter. 
and, and a guy that's turned into at the end of his career, a guy that can't afford to box the way he used to box because he doesn't have the legs. So he just plods forward and throws punches. And I give him credit. He's carved out. He's become an entertaining fighter here. These last few fights. This fight could be interesting. You're right. It's probably the best fight on the card. But I think Badu Jackson is just a level above cleverly as a boxer. What's your prediction for that one? I say Jack boxes him to a you know eight rounds to four type of decision. But everybody's like, Vin, why ain't you making no prediction for Mayweather McGregor? Why don't you know who's going to win that? What about Javante Davis, Francisco Fonseca? Well, the reason I think we're not predicting or even talking about how the fights will go is because it is written. It's a formality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, enjoy it. Yeah. You know, have fun. Look, you spend get- your money, have a big party, get hammered. Have fun. Yeah. I don't care. Go for it. Hey, man. Ain't for me. Kind of got a chance. Yeah, he do, Ken. He yeah. land one of them left, though. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's uh, move on to the other card going on. Um, HBO from the StubHub Center. Miguel Cotto versus Yoshihiro Kamagai for the WBO junior middleweight title. Vince, I'm going to ask you one simple question. Because mm-hmm. this could be an entertaining fight. Yeah. Okay. Um, it has the makings of it. The StubHub definitely provides something um, to fighters. But at the end of the day, do you really give a fuck about Miguel Cotto anymore? No, not particularly. He, I, I, I think if Floyd Mayweather is 1A for boxing divas, Cotto is like the transgender boxing diva. <laughs> you know what I mean? He is, man. He's a weird cat, dude. I mean, him and his fucking... Uh, his his sidekick, they're always, like, kissing each other on the lips. Brian. <laughs> What's his name? Brian. Oh, you know him personally? Well, yeah, I don't know what his last name first is. First name basis? Yeah, first name basis, yeah. <laughs> Me and Bri Bri. Oh, man. You going to be wearing pink for the Kodo Kamagai flash <laughs> knockdown? <laughs> hey, that'd only be fitting, right? Did you see Kodo walk into the uh, wild card gym wearing, like, like pink monster feet slippers? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do for the flash knockdown. I'm going to get them slippers and kick them up on the table. I mean, I'm going to be wearing pink pasties. <laughs> that is fucking disgusting. <laughs> you know what's disgusting? Are the accidental close-ups onto Miguel Cotto's elephantitis nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> Don't was, act like you haven't noticed it before. Oh, dude. Well, they they like it was 24/7 for him and Canelo. They like they like did a little vignette and a feature of his balls and how he has to bring his balls in a bag with him to the gym. <laughs> It's like, Jesus, so they're showing him doing jump rope and everybody's laughing at his fucking balls just dangling everywhere. <laughs> you know what they say, man? The fucking large potatoes make the steak look smaller. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't need that. Or I think they actually say, I think this is what uh, white people and Chinese people say, is they say that small potatoes <laughs> make the steak look bigger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, this This fight could be interesting, Ken, but you know what? Like you said, it's just... There's nothing that goes along. I mean, it, 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 I actually think that Kamagai has a decent chance in this fight. I'll be honest with you. He's not anything special, but he's the type of pressure fighter that we've seen Kodo struggle with. Does he have the skill that the pressure fighters that gave him trouble had? No, he doesn't. But Kodo's also old, and I don't know how much he really cares and how serious he takes the sport anymore other than just getting a paycheck. I mean, what is he? are him and Roach really trying to, like, say – yeah, we'll, we'll we'll take the winner of of Canelo Triple G. No, no, but, but nobody wants to see that. Yeah, but the the thing that's most con- confusing and sort of contradicting 
to the way Miguel Cotto has, you know, sort of uh, positioned himself and 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 sort of directed his own career because we know he's a guy in charge of his own career, right? Oh yeah. And it's been all about the money. Now he's made so much money um over his career that he probably doesn't need to make more money to, you know, add any more security to his family and to his kids' future by any means. But the thing that's most confusing to me is that so he gets the buyout from Rock Nation, right? So now he's fighting on regular HBO, a guy that's been fighting on pay-per-view, you know, pretty much for the last decade, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so how is it, and this is what everybody is saying is happening after this fight, how is it that Miguel Cotto and, and his whole philosophy on the outlook of his career, especially in this late stage of his career, is going to potentially be facing David Lemieux in his next fight? Because here's the thing. I, look, I get it. From If I'm Oscar De La Hoya as a boxing promoter, right, I sign Cotto. I feed him up to David Lemieux. Lemieux beats, beats Cotto, which he will, right? Mm-hmm. And then it sets up Canelo versus David Lemieux finally. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes perfect sense, and I'm sure. And if Cotto wins, win-win. I'm sure if you went to the drawing board in the Golden Boy offices, you'd probably see that trailed out on, on a board. Why would Cotto say yes to Lemieux, though? That doesn't make any sense. Because I think he probably thinks he has a chance against Lemieux because he's kind of a, you know, just not a very, he's kind of a stationary fighter that's not, there's nothing, there's no frills, there's nothing to him. He's just a fucking, he's going to come in and try to maul you and knock you out. Cotto may be able to move enough this, at this point in his career still to maybe have a chance against David Lemieux. He does not have the power. No, no. He does not have the power to keep Lemieux off no, of him. nor the jab. So it's a lose-lose. Yeah. He may have the footwork to give him a little pro- a little trouble, but you would think Lemieux was going to run him down and knock him out eventually. I'll take the guy who's eight years younger and is a career 160-pounder. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. Can Lemieux make 160 anymore? I don't know. I, I think that's becoming a big problem. I don't know if it's a problem or that he's just been kind of on the outskirts of what's been happening yeah. at 160 pounds. So it's like, ah, whatever. This isn't for anything. Yeah. You know, 162. And, well, you're not feeling good? 165. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the whole interesting dynamic about it. The only thing interesting about this fight to me, outside of the fact that it will be entertaining to watch, I think, mm-hmm. is the perplexing question that has been presented about what the path is for Miguel Cotto with his new relationship at Golden Boy Promotions. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big thing, and that's the reason why this fight just really doesn't carry that much for me is because this doesn't really lead to anything, I don't think. Um, Here's a fight that probably doesn't lead to anything either because it's on the PBC on FS1. <laughs> but nonetheless, if the opponent in this fight or the perceived opponent in this fight um, can return to the attacking style that he had before the last three years of just inactivity and injury. Sergey Daryevchenko versus Toriano Johnson, an IBF middleweight eliminator. Um, the winner of this, well, I mean, I don't know if, 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 if fucking Canelo is fighting for any of the belts at this point, but if Triple G were to win, he would have mandatories in Jamal Charlo um, and Sergey Daryevchenko, two very dangerous fighters. Daryevchenko, is kind of a monster, man. Oh. And I think that if, if this fight would have happened three years ago, Toriano Johnson might have been able to impose his will on this guy. Daryevchenko is so big and so strong, and Toriano Johnson has been so injured and so inactive. This could be entertaining for three or four rounds. Mm-hmm. Daryevchenko is going to end this thing in emphatic fashion. Yeah, he's, he's got a little too much for Toriano Johnson. He's, he's just a better all-around fighter, period. 
Uh, Toriano Johnson brings it in every fight, and that's why you got to love, love, love what the guy's done in his career and the entertainment he provides in the ring. This will be one hell of a fight as long as it lasts, I'll tell you that much. And Sergey Daryevchenko will end it at some point. And this kid is a, a, a scary young talent at 160 pounds. Throw him in the mix with Charlo coming up to 160. There's a lot uh, in, in a division that was kind of struggling to have that young talent. Uh, it's starting to build. And, and in two, three years, there's going to be a changing of the guard in this division. And I, I, it's going to be interesting to see who is the guy that establishes themselves as the preeminent 160. Dariyevchenko has a very, very good chance of being that guy. He'll be in the mix for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You got a, a you know, probably another two or three guys that are busting at the seams um, at 154 pounds that are on their way as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So, uh, little news and notes, and we close the show. Just one thing: a tweet that came in in the middle of the night from your boy Fat Dan. Yeah. No, it wasn't about the uh, water pressure at the hotel. <laughs> And it wasn't about the epic buffet at whatever casino he's staying at. No, it was actually something that caught me by surprise. Dan Rayfield tweets uh, last night, Lomachenko's next fight supposed to be December 9th at the Madison Square Garden Theater on ESPN. Aram said he has a deal done for an opponent. I'm told it's Guillermo Rigondeaux. I guess that Twitter campaign paid off in the end, huh, Ken? Yeah. Uh, hey, Man, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Enjoy that beating you're going to take. I'll tell you that. And everybody, this is what's hilarious. And, and after that, it comes out. Everybody's already saying, well, if, uh, if Lomachenko is able to win this fight, he's clearly number one pound for pound. Now, let me, let me just say something here. I already think he's up there anyways. I don't make pound for pound lists, so I don't really give a shit. But you're, you're literally, listen to what the words that are coming out of your mouth. You're, you're telling me that, a, a champion that is two weight classes above the guy he's going to fight is bringing him up eight pounds, and that is what he has to do. That's the guy he has to prove that he's pound-for-pound pound worthy? Get the fuck out of here, man. If Rigo was 26 or 27 years old, I'd be like, okay, well, because eventually one day, if you're fighting at, let's say, 122 pounds when you're 25, 26 years old, right? Yeah, one day, oh, he he, he may end up, at 130 pounds because he's got 10 years left in his career. No, he's 36, 37. No, he's 63. <laughs> You're dyslexic. For, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, dude, he's so fucking old, right? I mean, yeah, okay, he's 36. Bullshit. He's probably closer to 40. Right. All right? Like I, I said it before on previous episodes, when shit was hitting the fan and fucking Caribe promotion sent the boat over to smuggle him out of of Cuba. Do you think the idiots that run Caribe promotions and that have run the career of Guillermo Rigondeaux to this point said to Rigo, Hey Rigo, don't forget your birth certificate. <laughs> no, no chance. <laughs> oh, there's no chance. He's 36. That's my point. My point is, is this, he's, there's no room for him to move up. You no. know what I mean? No. Like this isn't a guy who's a heavyweight that can come back at 45 years old, like George Foreman and be like, Hey, I put on 70 pounds, but I'm still a heavyweight. <laughs> You know, yeah, he's maxed out at 122. That that's the biggest he can ever fight at and be successful. And to say now at this more distinguished age that he's going to be able to come up eight pounds and take on a guy that is much bigger, much stronger. And I hate to break it to you, Rigo Nuthuggers, Gabe Montoya, Lomachenko is the superior athlete. Period. Yeah, he's just a bet. He's he, 
uh, look, uh, Rigo is a hell of a fighter, <clears throat> and we ridicule him not because of his style of fighting. It's the management and the way his career is, has been run. But let me tell you something. This guy <clears throat> at 130 pounds is going to stand no fucking chance at, at holding up against the guy that is going to pressure him. Rigo, in his fights, what does he throw? An average of like 18 punches around? I mean, this is the that most is generous. This is the most just meticulously slow, uh, and not slow as in he's quick as hell when he when he's in his movement and throwing punches. But he just is not in a rush to get anything done. No. in the ring, you're gonna fight Lomachenko like that. You are fucking. You don't stand a, a, a goddamn chance in hell. No, you will not win a fight against uh, against Vasily Lomachenko, um, averaging uh, you know around 15 punches. Per round, the only chance if you are going to if he sticks to status quo, which he will, because all Cuban fighters stick to the status quo as far as how they fight, the way they fight, and 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 their arrogance in the belief in their system mm-hmm. as being far superior to any other type of boxing system in the world, especially the rivalry. Let's not forget that there's a huge amateur rivalry between the Cubans and the Ukrainians. Oh yeah. Okay, there is a. And, and maybe not that they've met so many times in epic gold medal matchups. That's not my point. It's that there is a a competition amongst them because they 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 dwell so heavily in the in the memories of their amateur careers about just who the best boxing farm is. Mm-hmm. Those that produce the best fighters in the world. Rigo is so arrogant in that way. He will not change anything up. So he will throw 15 punches per round or 18 punches per round, whatever. He's got one chance. He's got to knock Lomachenko out or he he does not stand a chance of winning this fight. And I, None. I, he doesn't I, throw enough punches. I, I don't think he has the power at that weight to knock Lomachenko out. And I don't think Lomachenko will get caught that clean in this fight to get even have the chance to get knocked out. I'm, all that being said, I can't wait for the fight. Oh, I can't either. I, I cannot wait for the fight because – whether, you know, you take all that bullshit aside and, and Rigo coming up two weight classes, these are the two maybe premier amateur fighters of all time. No doubt. Of all time. So that's, a you know, that's fucking, you don't get matchups like this, and, and I get it why people want to see it, and, and they're clamoring for it, and the, and the, the Rigo fan base will, will try to, uh, you know, if, if he beats uh, Lomachenko, well, that fucking, Lomachenko might as well hang him up, Ken. If Rigo wins this fight, his career is over. Rigo will not win the fight. No, he will not. So I'm not worried about it, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'll tell you, as much as it, Rigo drives me nuts and, and everything that surrounds his career, this this is going to be an interesting fight, and if it's going to be at MSG, your boy might be there. Uh, I'll be with you. Yeah. I'll be with you front and center. This is a fight I'd definitely go to. Yeah. Um, for sure. All right, so we'll wait and see for uh, you know an official announcement about Vasily Lomachenko versus Guillermo Rigondial. December 9th from the Madison Square Garden Theater. Good shit? Yeah, good shit. All right, man. Let's uh, fucking pack it up. Time to rock and roll. Put a close to episode 178. I got a grill and a cold beer waiting for me. A girl or a grill? Uh, I wish it was a girl, but (laughs) it's just a grill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, it is a grill. All right. Well, we appreciate all of you tuning in on this beautiful Sunday afternoon here. At theboxingrant.com, you've been tuned in to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast as we break down Terrence Crawford and his unification performance from Lincoln, Nebraska against Julius Ndongo. Big events this upcoming weekend, and then we go full head of steam then into the September boxing schedule. Oh, that, that is the most loaded month in a long time, brother. Superfly. Oh, Superfly, World Boxing Super Series, Triple G, Canelo. 
Get the fuck out of here. Man. Pants will not be worn. No. For a long time. No, that'll be a naked month for me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we appreciate all of you tuning in. And be sure to subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. We appreciate all of you tuning in to the Tale of the Tape on TheBoxingRant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.